there's more and more different body types I think coming into triathlon. It's not always like you know, you know, one size fits all. Like, and you're just going to perform the best if you're at this weight and this height. And and I think that's what makes it really interesting is you've got all these different you know strengths and weaknesses across. And there isn't many people who are world class on all three. So welcome to the chop house, Dan. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Uh, I'm in Santa Fe, in New Mexico. So it's in, uh, yeah, in Arizona. Uh, sorry, in uh, in New Mexico, um, in the states. Um, and yeah, it's seven seven thousand feet or so. So yeah, pretty pretty high up. Yeah, I'll have to type that into Google because I don't know what what <laughs> what feet is in meters. Um, yeah, it's about two thousand two thousand one hundred and fifty, I think, something like that. Do you feel it in the lungs then, or are you quite adapted now? Uh, yeah, I mean, not not day to day, unless you're walking up a flight of stairs and then you feel like you just came off the back of off season or something. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, in training. I think it never seems to go away. Like the feeling of like it always just feels harder. But you just yeah, as you say, you just adapt to it. Um, but yeah, I've been. It, it's a great little location because it's seven thousand feet, but. You can like just over on my left where I just showed you before, like there's a ski hill and it goes up to like ten thousand feet on the road. So I rode up to nine thousand one hundred the other day and I can tell you that is yeah, it gives you an appreciation of the guys on the Tour de France when they're going above three thousand meters, it's like yeah, it, it was flipping hard. But also you can go to a a bigger city called Albuquerque, which is like five and a half thousand feet, so a fair bit lower and do some faster stuff there. So there's a good mix of stuff here, it's great. So yeah, FTP, you can see the contrast between that, can't you? <laughs> at the top, oh, it's like yeah. someone amateur, but then at the bottom, you're world class again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's in numbers are yeah, it's I would say that's probably one of the hardest things is the numbers on the bike. Like when I was doing efforts the other day, I literally rode like did all my hill reps between like eight thousand to nine thousand feet, did like an hour and eight minutes of hills there, and just like there were different intensities, but like. Yeah, seeing the numbers is hard. Like I was trying to hit, you know, similar zones to what I would at sea level. But oh, yeah, just it's the top end that goes. The top end is where it becomes a real challenge. Um, but yeah, it's just a world of pain, really. <laughs> and like you said, with the off season, it feels like you're at off season, so you want to continue pushing the power. Uh, you know, you can push, but you just you're not able to, and you do have to bring it down and be very confident in that he uh, headspace, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know if you. Know, I've got. I have got one more race this year, so I'm not not quite on the brink of off season. But um, yeah, it's uh, it becomes a bit more on feel. I would say, especially in the initial like week or two. Um, and then yeah, I mean, ideally by the third week that I'm here, uh, which is the last week I'll be here, I want to try and hit like, you know, ideally be hitting similar paces, times, powers, whatever it is. Um, to sea level yeah. uh but yeah that's that's the theory but yeah we'll see <laughs> yeah this and the mitochondrial that adaptations isn't it it's yeah yeah, three yeah. Week cycle and then the four, fourth week rest before competition yeah. but i must say though, i think yeah like it's definitely i definitely think it's easier coming here when you're fitter um because i came in january to the same place and it was so hard whereas this time it's like the end of the season i'm i'm very very fit like i'm robust and strong and like it's been significantly easier, I think, um, like adapting. 
was earlier in the year, like you say, like, I came sure. off the back of off season and it was just like, Whoa. like it was a real kick in the ass. Yeah. You're like, can I still do it this year? You know, He's, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the biggest thing that I think outlines triathletes compared to any other sport is the amount of training that you do. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you will just talk us through what a typical endurance day might look like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess every day is probably relatively endurance based because even today is an easy day and I've done three and a half hours this morning and I've still got a five mile run later and that's a, you know, easier day. So it's, it's always decent volume. Um, but I think like, yeah, you know, like I think probably my biggest days can be either Tuesday or Saturday generally. Um, it depends in terms of like, you know, heavy, heavy endurance blocks tend to be more uh, in the winter. Um, but, you know, if we took, for example, like at the minute, you know, um, you know, a typical day on a Tuesday might be, you know, anywhere between two to three hours on the bike with efforts. Um, again, it's going to vary like, you know, in the in the time period. But, you know, uh, yeah, I think tomorrow I have kind of um, tempo efforts and threshold efforts. So, you know, you, you're getting a pretty half decent volume riding along with you know a good volume of efforts like usually well in advance of an hour of efforts um kind of up towards two hours depending on the intensity of course um and then usually i actually run off the bike usually so i'll run off for like half an hour so directly afterwards yeah 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 directly but just just easy generally in like most weeks um and yeah so again that session can be anywhere between two and a half to three and a half hours with the run. Um, and then often in the afternoon, like I'll swim between 90 minutes to, to two hours. And again, that's like quite a, it's a threshold swim. So, you know, it's, um, I don't know how much you know about swimming, but it's, you know, it's similar intensity threshold on the bike, but you know, it's just, again, it's just big volume at that, at that threshold intensity, kind of three K four K, um, of decent, you know, swimming within maybe a five to six kilometer swim. Um, Do you split that up across the session? Is it 3K straight up? Or because when I was doing the swimming, it's a, it's a different game because you're doing a straight endurance swim. But w- would you split that up into like 200s, do a lot of technique some days as well and all of that and still... Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, yeah. So like a Tuesday there, for example, it, it's going to like a threshold set would be, you know, compromise of three you know, it's going to be usually around three to four K worth of like hundreds, two hundreds, you know, it's certainly at altitude. I'm not going to go much more, but at sea level, you know, it can be three hundreds and four hundreds as well. Um, so it's kind of compromised of that. And then obviously around that, like main bulk of the session, it's, you know, a bit of, like you say, you're warming up, your technique, you're, and obviously a cool down. I mean, like a very generic session is like, you know, something like 30 times a hundred meters off a minute 30, you know? So like, that's like a classic for, you know, yeah, swimmers, triathletes, the lot, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, of course, like other days, like, you know, this morning I swam 6K, but very, very like aerobic technique focus. Like, you know, I mean, we use like, you know, pull boy and paddles, for example. So it's like more strength oriented as well. Yeah. Um, and taking a little bit of strain off the legs because obviously you're doing a lot on the legs. Um, so yeah, it, it does vary. But so we use have, the pull boy quite a bit then. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah. In a week, what average weekly hours are you pulling? Uh, 
to be honest, mine mine are not crazy, but it, it's like with my new coach. Um, I mean, I've been working with him since like January last year. Um, but like it is the volumes noticeably like it's growing up probably every six months or so, just subtly. But obviously, we've only been twenty. It's gonna go. It's gonna keep going up and up and up. Um, yeah. You know, I, mean, I would say like. Yeah. You know, at the minute, like I'm at altitude and I'm preparing for worlds. It's kind of, you know, the volume isn't crazy because we're focusing a lot on intensity. So it's like, you know, maybe 22, you know, ish hours, 23, 24 hours a week. So it's it, it is good, but it's not like crazy. Yeah. Um. Sure. But definitely in the winter, it can go. It'll go higher. But I would imagine next winter I'll be anywhere between kind of 23 to 26. Again, it'll depend. Um. But you know, it's just it's just rising steadily, and I think that's really important at twenty as well. Like, there's enough there to to really allow me to develop, um, but also it gives me Grow enough the engine. Yeah, yeah, because like I don't, I still don't quite understand. Like, you know, you've got twenty year olds who like that's good volume already, but it also means like I'm at twenty, I'm not doing thirty hours a week already because it's like, well, if you're doing thirty hours a week already, like, like where do you then go, like? So I've got a little bit of wiggle room in there for, you know, but generally, like you say, it's, it's decent volume. But some of the guys who who are coached by same coach as me, like Sam Long, who's huge in the Ironman world. I mean, he's training 30, 35 hours a week, week in, week out. And I mean, some of the rides he's doing, I just, obviously a lot of that compromises of riding. But yeah, it's crazy high volume, but he's doing Ironman and, you know, stuff like that. So it, it is subtly different, but yeah, I don't know, like, to me, it doesn't sound that much. It might sound more to you, like 22, 23, 24 hours. But um, for a triathlete, you're it's just at the start of just at the start of that journey to building that engine. You know, you're like you yeah, say, yeah. you're only twenty, and you stop growing about that twenty-one to twenty-three, depending on genetics and all that. Yeah, I wish it was about five years ago for me. <laughs> yeah, you just want to leave that wiggle room to, as you say, be able to grow and keep tapping on that performance and. Yeah. I think that's a testament to the performances that he achieved this year that we'll get onto later. But mm. um, with with all that training and also the gaps between the training, how the nutrition must be super important. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that's uh, why I was late to coming on because I was eating. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think when you train in a lot, like it starts to become, there starts to be a bit of a threshold. I notice, especially once I start going over, probably like, 22 hours and you, you're verging on 25 and, and more like you know you you just kind of eating all day um i mean your smallest days are like three hours like even recovery days are like three hours so it's yeah like, i think it then becomes really really important i mean something that i've something that i've always been good at is like getting in fuel quickly without sessions like um you know straight after sessions like i've had a lot of good people around me uh always but i think like this year I've really had quite a focus on like fueling sessions. Like I think I've not been as good at like fueling in sessions um, as what I may have around sessions. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been definitely a bit more of a focus is like looking at like, you know, carbohydrate intake within training, because obviously, do you know what it is? Like you can get away with, you know, if I do that Tuesday morning bike, for example, I can get away with even at altitude, like, taken barely anything i could probably have like a banana for like two three hours and do efforts and i'd still get away with it with a bit of juice but the problem is come the threshold in the afternoon 
I'm probably going to be screwed. And then the next day is a hard day as well. And like, and you're just gone. And so it's, it's a, it is a balance, but I mean, generally it's just, you're just constantly fueling. Um, yeah. And obviously the more hours you do, the more, <laughs> the more you eat. So it's just, yeah, it does feel like you're just eating all day and training all day, but yeah. Yeah. Cause ro- rowing is, because t- at university I've got a housemate that's a rower and you see that often being classed as the highest calorific sport and they eat so many calories but equally they're just putting that they're using that to put on weight whereas yeah all the triathletes are just super lean so i guess you're just trying to keep minimum body weight healthy yeah it's a it's an interesting you know this is something i thought about in depth actually and like i chat about with a lot of people is weight like you know you're right that like you know, there's this generic image of a triathlete, which is, you know, say an Alistair Brownlee where, you know, reasonably tall figure, lean, um, you know, and it's, you've always seen very lean people. And I think generally you're going to be relatively lean because, you know, there's a lot of training involved. Um, at the same time, I'm sure you know the name Christian Blumenfeld from, you know, this year, who's just about won everything under the sun from the Olympics, the Ironman to, you know, he's just won half Ironman world champs last week. I mean, he, he goes against probably every principle that there is in terms of weight, you know? I mean, he's the same height as me, and he's a good 15 to 16 kilograms heavier. And you know, it, it does make you, uh, it makes you kind of change your perspective a bit, you know? Like, that there's more and more different body types, I think, coming into triathlon. Um, and I know if Christian is a little bit of a, a freak in nature, but also he's showing that, like, you don't have to be, like, one body type i mean you see it in cycling there's a lot of different body types in cycling uh it's not always like you know you know one size fits all like and you're just going to perform the best if you're at this weight and this height and yeah i mean i'm definitely on the small side uh for men but um you know i'm reasonably like i'm also reasonably kind of like i don't know like stocky or like i'm reasonably big for my size um so yeah i don't know like i, I really I've started kind of going more on the approach of like something that Christian told me when I was pretty young, but you know, like you, you eat to perform and, you know, and ultimately like whatever your body kind of turns out being like, you know, that's what it is. Like it it is hard to fundamentally change like genetics and, and to change your body to be something that's like, you know, totally different. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing either. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic to be a professional athlete you have to be as as you know healthily lean as possible i guess yeah yeah, yeah. and you know it's it is sometimes a contentious subject but equally with the nutritional gains that people are making nowadays it's becoming healthier to achieve those and Mm. you know as you said like from my perspective of not only triathlon but running the additional weight that you might carry would affect that run if you can't hack it you know so it might benefit on the swim and the bike but typically what i've heard from my experiences in sport and around the younger age of triathlon was mm. that you had to be a runner before yeah yeah be i mean to be honest, you're right in terms of like you know i mean if you look at running like if you look at just pure runners like you don't see many big runners because like you know this it's easier to carry less weight effectively um it proves that running economy yeah 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 exactly and one thing with triathlon is like 
swimming crates you know i've swam for basically my whole life like i've been in the pool since i was nine months old but <laughs> i've swam trained for a long time and like you know you develop a very big upper body which is quite yeah. it's not very useful for running having <laughs> you know especially not running five and 10k and then you know potentially oh, half marathon, marathon too. yeah yeah or cycling yeah so it's, it's just like yeah but like i say i think you just you develop you just your body develops over time with you know with how you train and um you know if you take someone like alex e for example i mean he was like pure runner um you know i mean he's still unbelievably lean like he looks like a runner but he has put on like muscle mass he looks slightly different to what he used to do you know but like he still carries that's you know fundamentally quite a you know runner's sort of physique um but, you know, over time, he's, you know, he's developed more of an upper body and, you know, bigger quads or whatever with the ride. And, yeah, I think it's it's just important not to, like, to stress it too much. But, yeah, certainly different backgrounds create, obviously, that's where you're getting the, the different body types as well. So, But with those different backgrounds, you can pull different tactical points into into the sports that you do, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, if you look at it, like, Alex, for example, he's still still run dominant so you know he you know he's not generally at the front in the swim he's a very good cyclist because his power to weight is fantastic he's you know he's great at handling as well um but then he has this like superpower on the run whereas you've got some people who are like have superpower on the swim and the bike for example but not as good on the run and and i think that's what makes it really interesting is you've got all these different you know strengths and weaknesses across and there isn't many people who are world-class on all three, who can compete at all three. And, I mean, that's where you had the Brownleys and, you know, obviously, like, Vincent Louis won the World Series yesterday in Bermuda. He, you know, he's class on all three. And that's what I've always uh, kind of aspired to be, is, like, you know, is to be as classy as possible on all three because, ultimately, it gives you the best armory to deal with whatever kind of comes your way in racing um, rather than having, like, a weakness. Um yeah, no, it's it's an interesting sport and it's always changing. And I think that's the beauty of watching triathlon from the outside, from my perspective, is you could you can balance it up. You can have two good ones be at the front of the race for the run and then have that gap rush in the run and it creates a tense finish and mm-hmm. vice versa, you know. So I think that creates the beauty of, of watching that event and why it's so special at the, you know, for the mainstream viewers that say at the Olympics and comic games, um, yeah, yeah, which we'll get onto because you competed in your first Commonwealth Games this summer, didn't you? Yeah, 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 I did. It was uh, it was really special. Honestly, there was probably one of the most special moments of like my career. And obviously, I got called up so late uh, to replace Johnny Brownlee. So obviously, some big shoes to fill, but also like, yeah, you know, triathlon was the the first event of the games, uh, home games, you know, it was just, you know, thousands and thousands of people out and lining the streets deep, like three, four deep the whole way around the course. I mean, like, yeah. And obviously cause you're a home athlete, the amount of support you got was just like mind blowing. I mean, I've never experienced anything like the call on, like the call on to the pontoon and you're like, you kind of walk from the, you know, you jog from the line, the line up to the pontoon. I mean, you know, you got however many thousands of people, like including my family in the stands, like calling your names and like, you know, 
clapping for you and stuff. And it, it's obviously significantly louder than, you know, when it's any other country. Like when it was the three of us, Sam, me and Alex, it was so loud and it, it was just a real buzz. Like it was, it was really, really awesome to be a part of it. And yeah, I'm pleased that I had the opportunity. Do you, do you still have goosebumps reading that story out? Because I know I would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had, yeah, a few people say like, what was, you know, that probably was one of the best parts. Like the race was, the whole, the whole experience, that kind of week leading into it, like being with the team and it was very unique uh, where we stayed and stuff like this. But, you know, the whole experience, I mean, like, you know, there was, it was, it was pretty hard to beat the kind of feeling of, of walking on, um, you know, and like now I look back at it and, you know, I think I, I took it in as much as I could. Cause I mean, stuff like that and, and that whole, that whole day, there's going to be very few times in my career where I'm like, you know, I mean, yes, it's Birmingham, but it's still, it's still a home games, you know, even though I'm up, I'm up further North and um, yeah, I think, you know, there there might not be another major games in the United Kingdom while I'm still racing professionally. So, you know, to have that opportunity in my first year as a as a senior was just like, yeah, it was pretty special and definitely something to that I'll remember for sure. Because you you achieved twelfth place at that race. Yeah, yeah. Would you class that as the you know watershed day where it'd be like? right this is the start of my career uh, it was definitely a big moment i gotta say like you know on the day it was weird like i didn't i didn't quite have the race i wanted and also we were me and sam were there to to try and pilot or domestic uh alex a little bit um yeah sadly i didn't i didn't quite have the legs on the day which was a bit odd but i had a I had a pretty good race and you know, I think the the position was awesome, but like, I think being a part of a major games was something like really special. It's a very different feeling, um, you know, to that of other events, and it carries its own kind of prestige. And yeah, I think that in itself was was special because I was kind of like, yeah, I really want to like come back, you know, do better, but also be like a part of more major games because it just it was just so special. And I was just thinking, like, God, I wonder what you know, the Olympics must feel like and stuff like that. I mean, let alone a home Olympics in London, that must have been just mind-blowing. But, yeah, I think, to be honest, because I've done triathlon so long, it it's this year has just been, like, I think it's been more, like, realisation of, like, you know, like, realising actually I am... It's possible. Yeah, like, yeah, it's possible to be one of the best guys in the world. Um, you know, I've kind of shown to myself that I'm, like... I, I feel like, in a way, I, I wasn't sure, like coming out of juniors, how I would feel racing at this level. Um, you know, like, you just don't know how it's going to be until you race these guys. And I think, in a way, you kind of get that, like, you know, a little bit of, like, imposter syndrome type thing where you're, like, you know, before I knew it, I was lining up against some of the best guys in the world. Um, you know, earlier in Singapore, I raced with, you know, number one, two, and three in the world or whatever and, like, finished fourth. Like, you know, it, it was moments like that where it was like, actually, yeah, like, this is pretty, this is pretty sick. I think I've got to, like, you know, I can actually do this. And, yeah, I think that's been what it's, you know, it's more like that this year where it's like that realisation that, like, yeah, you know, actually I can give this a really good go and, and be exceptionally good. And, you know, but I, I've always done the sport for, you know, I've done it for so long. I mean, I've done it, you know, longer than what I've known you back when I was time trialling and stuff. And, um yeah, so 
nothing's really changed in the fact that I'm doing triathlon still. Similar to you're just you know you're riding still. Um, it's just that realization that you know you you're closer to some of these guys that than what you think, and you know, you realize everyone's kind of human, and you know not everyone is uh, yeah unbeatable. It's, not as high on that pedestal as you you imagined it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but also a lot of the meeting the guys is like really cool because you you always like you know I'm sure you've met some some people that you've always wanted to meet and it's it's quite unique because you you've looked up for them for so long and then suddenly the next thing you're like you're racing them I mean the first time I've met Johnny Johnny Brown I'm racing them it's it's a bit odd it wouldn't it wouldn't have been how I would have thought I would have met him um yeah, yeah you realize these guys are you know they're no different to to you and us but they're also you know they're just exceptionally good at what they do um but a lot of them are are really willing as I'm sure you know you found as well like a lot of these top guys are quite willing to kind of share knowledge and stuff like that as well and being immersed around them especially you know at a Commonwealth Games for example like the amount that you learn as a young athlete is just like you know it's unbelievable much more than what you would learn in any other racing. Recently you've been going and doing what's called what is it the triathlon super league yeah yeah so super league triathlon super league triathlon right and from from where i'm sitting it looks like the a much more commercialized version of triathlon yeah 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 exactly yeah i mean super league uh, i mean obviously a lot of your listeners are probably cyclists but you know it's effectively you know, it's pretty much the the most professional league that you could be in right now in triathlon. Um, there's something similar in the long distance triathlon called the Professional Triathletes Organization. It's PTO. Like they're putting up huge, huge prize purse races. Um, but yeah, Super League is like to have got a shot at racing that. You know, there's 20 guys and 20 women. Um, this year there was five races you know, all over the globe. I mean, it was London, Munich, Malibu, Toulouse. And then we even went to Neon, which was the middle of freaking nowhere. Like, you know, there's, you know, flying into the Prince's private airport and all this. And, you know, like there's no civilization for like hundreds of miles. It was, it was pretty unique, but, you know, the whole thing is, like you say, it's commercialized, it's professional as, uh, you know, there's around 2 million prize purse for the five races. But along with that, you're also, um everything's paid you know food accommodation travel like any route that you want to go as well like i've been coming back to the us in between races like no matter where your journey is like everything's always funded um and the level of support is like unbelievable and also the unique thing is that everyone gets paid so even the person even if you happen to finish like last in every race or didn't finish every race or whatever like everyone will walk away with like at least you know like a little bit of money um five grand or so so it's still good and i mean like you think like you know like you travel in the world it's all paid for you with the best guys in the world the most you know that like the highly highly trained social media teams the best commentators like you know the team managers are like previous world champions stuff like that like it's it, it is just so so professional and i did actually write a little bit on this uh you know for for a website but it it is like a school of professionalism you know it's like it's everything that you would want uh in a professional sport and yeah it it was it was awesome so awesome that's so cool to hear man because when i start i i guess i started watching 
the triathlon from well, I competed in it and then watched it from 2012. But there was also the ITU on ITV. That's yeah, a bit of a mouthful, but like in places yeah. like Auckland and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, where where is that possible to watch Super League now? Because I, I've I've seen it on your stories, but I've not seen where it is actually possible to view. Yeah, yeah. So Super League has been it's been on Eurosport. I think it's been on Eurosport too. Um, it's on okay. YouTube on their own YouTube, and it's on it's usually on BBC Red Button as well. So it's on a few different platforms, but it, okay. it's also it's streamed in like twenty four different countries as well. So there's a lot of yeah. It's definitely it's definitely out there like more than um, yeah. I mean the ITU. It's uh, yeah. That's that's definitely the it's the older name for it now because they've changed all the brand and everything. But it, you know it's world triathlon now but it's the same thing um you know it's itu racing and yeah that that's you know like when you look at the contrast there like i mean like you say itu racing world triathlon racing like it, it is on bbc red button like stuff like that but the coverage is just nowhere near as good like and i mean like when you see and like when you realize the kind of like um the ability that these athletes have, like the kind of performances they're putting in, you know, Super League highlights that. It pushes it out there, like the amount of social media and everything else. Like they're so good at what they do, and also, like you say, they're making it commercialized. That the World Triathlon broadcast is absolutely crap. Like, and it's it's just not very good at all. And it's it is such a shame when, like, you know, like it is the kind of you know that's where you're going to become a world champion. You, you chase after the world you know, the World Series title, but um, yeah, Super League is it's taken it to a, a different level and, and what is good is that World Triathlon are having to respond and basically, you know, they're, they're having to make the coverage better because, you know, Super League's just absolutely killing them. Um, so yeah, there's there's some work to do on their side, but Super League are just, are definitely changing the game, but also it's it's a very new concept still, even though it's it's been around for five years. But again, it's just it's growing traction each year, and I think this is the first year it's been on Eurosport, for example. So, you know, I would imagine in future, you know, it's going to become, you know, bigger and bigger, and and it will because it's the best athletes, you know, in the world. It would be no different in cycling than if you had a professional league with, you know, twenty of the best guys and women in the world. You'd have a lot of people watching it. Um, you know, so yeah, it it just takes time, like anything. But yeah, sometimes you got to remember, like triathlon is quite a young sports still even though it's been around for a while it, it's not been around that long um and so yeah like initiatives like super league are quite good because it's pushing it it's pushing it at a faster rate than than what the generic like world triathlon racing is um but yeah no it's uh yeah it's getting getting a little bit bigger but certainly has a, a way to go to catch cycling i first saw it i think from my friend and then seeing you do it this year it's like oh actually i might want to watch that and now next year when it comes around, because you finished with the season this year, I'll be like, next year I'm gonna gonna find the dates and I'm gonna watch them. You've done the Super League, you finished that series. How yeah. did you get on over that? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was a it was definitely a it was a real learning curve. Like I went into the first race in London, um, not especially fit, and I finished like 15, so I was just just inside the points. Um you know, but I was relatively 
happy like just the fact that like the way things went because I'd done the European champs like the European games where obviously the cyclone was on as well in Munich uh, a few weeks before and I got ill afterwards and as you know like it, it definitely affects your <laughs> your build-ups and that quite a lot when you and there wasn't a you know much of a time period between but no like being there and family were there and everything it, it, it was a nice you know a nice way to start and actually the, only the second time I'd raced in the UK this year so again that was that was really really nice and you know it was a great way to start and then we actually went straight to Munich so that was like the next day so back to Munich where I'd had a horrendous Europeans um but yeah Munich was again like awesome and I think like I kind of learned the race in a bit and there's different formats every race in Super League um they are a little bit complex to uh yeah to explain if you don't understand the sport probably but it Basically, it's just different different ways of doing the order of the sport. Um, but generally, there's three races within, like, you know, three rounds within each race. Um, so, yeah, like, in Munich, I actually improved. I came eighth. And, yeah, that was that was awesome. Like, totally different course. But, again, like, beautiful location. It was awesome. Um, and then, again, we hopped straight on a plane to Malibu. Um and yeah, I mean, obviously, as you can imagine, everyone was getting pretty tired by then. Like that was a long haul flight. You'd race two weeks in a row. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I sometimes think being young as well, I pick up so much every time I'm racing. I kind of was just learning at such a rate, and every race I was kind of getting better. So in in Malibu, kind of like I was just always in the race and just progressively got better and better and better um, throughout each round. And then before I knew it, I'm like. You know, I finished fourth, which, you know, I remember being on the phone to my parents afterwards, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "I just made nine thousand, you know, dollars, or whatever." I was like, "That's you know, like forty minutes." I was like, I remember that being my like, first thing. It was just like, yeah, it was just like it felt mad, like you know, being around world class guys, making that much money, like doing what you love, like awesome location. It just, it was a, it was really, really special. Um, and yeah, I kind of got that race like bang on. That was perfect. Um, and then yeah, we had a we had two weeks off, and then the next race was in Toulouse. Um, so yeah, in, Toulouse was an interesting one for me. Like I flew in long haul from from America because I'd stayed in America. Um, a lot of people went back to Europe. Um, and yeah, the the time zone screwed me quite bad that time. I've never normally, you know, I've never normally had a problem with the time zone, but. Uh, yeah, when you're waking up at like midnight and you're hungry and stuff like that, it's yeah, it's just weird. It, it was it was just, it was a challenge. Um, but yeah, no, again, the, as you said, a massive learning experience. Oh god, yeah, Toulouse was something else. I mean, Toulouse was probably nearly as good as like I wouldn't say as good, but it was probably getting on towards you know the same level of crowds as like Commonwealth Games. Like it was mind-blowing how many people turned up for the race in Toulouse because it's like city center you know they're mad you know mad sport friendly in Toulouse um and obviously a lovely day as well and, and the courses are very very short so you know it's very easy to line them and god the amount of people in Toulouse was crazy and yeah I mean I think I had a great first race and like I actually broke off the front in the first race and um yeah I think I probably went a bit hard were insane uh, and I probably got a bit excited, but you know, like it, it was good fun. And 
And like I say, I think I mentioned before that there's teams involved in this league. Uh, there's five different teams. So, um, you know, individually, I think I suffered a little bit for that, uh, you know, that effort. I faded to, kind of to 12th in the end, but still picked up points. But what was really valuable is I picked up like, you know, bike, you know, fastest bike laps and, you know, whatever it is, swim, you know, swim points and stuff like this. So that all adds to the team. So it was unique because even though I wasn't like super satisfied on my own, I had an awesome first race and got plenty of airtime and all that. And it was great, but I also got like a lot of points for the team. So ultimately the team, like the better the team does, you also get a huge amount of money at the end from, you know, where the team finishes. So it's, you know, as much as I didn't have the great race in my eyes on my, you know, on my individual side, I actually helped the team and that ultimately helps you as well. So it, I think Toulouse was really, really good as well. And again, like learning to deal with time zone changes and all that has been something to to deal with this year. And then, yeah, I actually had three weeks in Tucson. So I went back to the States afterwards um, and yeah, got mega fit, mega healthy. And yeah, went off to the, the middle of the desert in Neom, um, which was just, you know, I mean, if any viewers haven't got a clue what it is, I would be... Yeah, I'd be surprised if anyone knows where it is. But yeah, it's it's in Saudi Arabia. Mate, it is literally the middle of nowhere. Like if you go on Google Maps, there is nothing there. Uh it was it was mad. Um but yeah, that that was kind of the grand, you know, the grand finale. Um and yeah, like I had an absolutely terrible race, which made you know, it's one of those things where I kind of just had to accept that time. I think it was just a bad day. You know, like I looked at everything beforehand. Everything was like perfect before, which is quite rare. Um, and I was the fittest I'd been in ages, super healthy, all of that. Dealt with the time zone different, different well. Travel was super smooth. Um, yeah, I just didn't really have much, which was which was really really frustrating. But um, you know, that experience there was like mad. Like you know, it was so unique and like we got so well looked after and I think like, you know, just being around that environment, like it, it was really, it was hard to take uh, that result to be honest, but also the experience kind of just made me like, it, it kind of numbed it a little bit the, what I was feeling. Cause it just, you know, it, it was really, really special and it was just different. Um, so yeah. And yeah, it was just like a little poke, like you say, like, you know, it's commercialized, it's professional, like, I lost a lot of money in in that race and like I've only started making money this year but like yeah I lost a lot that day and I was like it was just like an extra little like stab to how bad of a race I'd had as well but again it's it's all learning and yeah I finished up pretty pretty decent in the series in the end so yeah it was a it was just a hell of a an experience for five races and to race the best guys in the world as well like each time and like learn and travel with them and go to different places. Like it was just absolutely awesome. And obviously like, I think Super League was the first time where I felt like, you know, like a genuine professional. Um, you know, I made a little bit earlier in the year, but like, you know, I made kind of enough to the where I feel like, you know, in a way I almost feel like a professional athlete now, which it's weird to almost say that because you kind of work towards it for so long, but yeah, it, it's yeah. definitely been a bit of a game changer Super League this year, which is is awesome. Um, and yeah, something I definitely want to get involved in 
yeah, every every year to come, basically. In the years to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased to hear that, man. That is that is cool. yeah. that is awesome to hear. And uh I'm I'm so pleased for you to for you to have found that after, you know, following your journey from mm. obviously the days that we competed in GHS and CTTs. But yeah. Yeah, that's it's inspiring to watch. Yeah, I mean, like it's good to see. Uh, yeah, it's good to see where you've gone with the cycling as well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I would have ever got to that. I don't know <laughs> the levels that you're getting to, but um, you can call yourself a professional. I, I'm not quite there yet, but anyway, with throughout that whole you know rendition of where you've raced and how much you've raced in the Super League and how awesome this year's been to see where you can go and how far you can you've got to go mm-hmm. you've traveled a lot through then so one my first question is how is it traveling that much and my second question is what's the best thing about traveling in your opinion yeah i mean i think this year is just taken off with the amount of travel it's been yeah, it's been a bit mind blowing how much I've done. I mean, I must say, I think I think top pro cyclists probably travel more than uh, yeah than a lot of triathletes, but short course triathletes definitely travel a lot. And and this year I've I've seen that. You know, I mean, that is one thing I was going to say is like maybe a lot of the cycling is in Europe. Um, you know, there's plenty of triathlon in Europe, but there's also a hell of a lot elsewhere. And a long way elsewhere, be it you know Asia or Australia, you know in America, wherever it is. Um, so yeah, like that's been a real learning curve. I mean, I've gone from like you know European races, you know like your crappy little Ryanair flights for a few hours to you know wherever it is, Spain or Portugal or you know to suddenly you're like every flight you're going on is like a long way, or you like multiple connections, you know, and all of that and that's definitely taken a bit to get used to um it's kind of weird i used to look i used to look forward to going like flying stuff like that like now it's like it's not that i don't look forward to it it's just like it's just became so you know so much a part of it it's it's weird it's almost like catching the bus now it's a bit it's a bit odd like i just get so used to just turning up at the airport in the same routine every time um and yeah i mean like the only yeah, it honestly, I don't think it's taken. It, I didn't really have an op. I didn't really have a choice but to get used to it. Um, but it has been. It's been really good, but also like challenging. I think some of the long haul flights have kind of like beaten up my body more than what I thought because it's it's very regular that we'll race, and then you fly in the next day. And I mean, like the worst one I had this year was when I raced in Singapore. And I raced really, really well, um, but got on an unbelievably long flight the next day, you know, whatever it was, 15 hours or 14 hours. And, you know, I'm just sat there like crammed up in like, you know, your little seat and like, it was just so uncomfortable and you're all sore after the race. And by the time I got off, I just, my body was just wrecked, you know, uh, for about a week afterwards. And you, know, you do get that, but then it's like, yeah, you got to kind of look and think, well, you are lucky you're built to, you know, to be able to do that amount of travel and to, yeah, to actually say that you can go away that much is, is really, really fortunate because I know a lot of people who, you know, they've barely been on an aeroplane in their life. So I, I understand how much of a fortunate position it is. 
Um, but yeah, and in and in regards to travel, to be honest, the yeah, like I think the best thing for me is like going going new places and then like usually with that meeting new people uh, is kind of a you know you usually end up meeting new people when you go away, um, and that's probably the best thing. Like you know you you go to some places that maybe you don't think are going to be that nice and you, you get a bit surprised and you know, but it's quite it's quite fun like traveling with people and you know we're often like you know there's a bunch of us who are well into coffee and stuff like that for example and you know we make a little bit of a, a habit out of finding the best coffee shops and all of this and you know like going and eating in nice places and riding in just you know some weird and wonderful places and it's yeah and obviously like i say the, the people you meet as well like you know on that series i met some people who of course I knew everyone on the series I knew of them but a lot of them I hadn't met because they were a lot older than me and you know getting to know them and like you know you're like oh I didn't think I'd get on with them that well but actually you know you get on really well and you know all of that I think it's a you know the connections and the places you go with the travel are just like you know unreal and again like I say to to be to be so young and like be able to do what I'm doing that much of the world yeah, and like I'm sure I'm gonna see plenty more, but you know it's it's absolutely awesome. And and but like I say, I know how fortunate I am to get that opportunity. Like not everyone gets to do it, and you know I don't take it for granted at all. Like I know I say it's like catching the bus now, taking a flight, but I I understand how fortunate I am. Um, but it is it is so unique, you know, and to be able to do it so young, and yeah, like I look at some of the places that I know I'll be going to next year. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, I mean, things as in cycling, they're pretty planned in advance. And, yeah. you know, you start thinking, <laughs> ahead, like, wow, God, like I'm going to go there for this amount of time. And I'll be visiting that place and that place. And yeah, it, it's awesome. And I'm sure you've seen it as well this year when you've traveled around a bit, like, you, yeah. you know, meeting people and, you know, riding new roads and stuff like that. And like cool coffee shops and whatever it is, like, it's such a, it's not a bad life, not a bad life. For me, it's every culture you come across, it's a chance to learn something new quickly because mm. you can see what someone else is doing and then implement it into what your routine is. So if you if you see someone else's morning routine in this um, this country and then their evening and lunchtime routine or something like this, then for me, that's just so special to see that much culture. And I think that culture pot is what really develops us as as people in, at the end of the day yeah yeah definitely you've also started a youtube video three months ago i saw you put your first video up there uh, yeah <laughs> where, where did that where did that come around why did that come around um yeah i mean i guess you know i started so earlier this year i started working with like a manager um Mm-hmm. and yeah that's Social like media manager or just in no, 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 like uh, like yeah like a manager who looks after like you know contracts and stuff like that um yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. and so yeah like that changed a lot of my thinking like this year like you know like he he worked with me really really well and like you know he's he's fantastic he doesn't look after many people but you know the the ones that he does he he's exceptionally good at looking after them and you know he definitely helped me to like to see like you know in triathlon at the minute if you if you want to be like really professional and make a good living you know it's you need the performance but like there's this professional side of the sport you know with with the contracts there's often now like a lot of social media commitments there's you know a lot of like 
you know, whether it's like, you know, days responses or speaking engagements or did it like, there's a lot involved with it. And I think like, I spent, like I say, I spent a little bit of time with, uh, with well, I spent a lot of time with some of my coaches, guys, uh, like one of them specifically, Sam, uh, Sam Long, like, you know, I saw him earlier in the year, like just how professional he was like, and I know it's, <laughs> he's had to find a bit of a balance now, but, you know, having, having fantastic results and yet like, you know, he has like, you know, he's got like YouTube, he's on podcasts, he's has like great, you know, he's got like a photographer and a videographer with him all the time and, you know, awesome social media and, you know, he's like doing engagements with sponsors and all this and like the amount of value that he was able to add to to the people who supported him and then also extract so much about himself. It like made me really, really like uh, curious and like wanting to kind of explore it more. And like I say, like working with my manager, obviously he helped me to like set up a lot of things and push a lot of things. Um, and yeah, like I say, it's... Um, the YouTube was the YouTube was an interesting one. It was like it was a little bit to do because like you know professionally it's good. Um, you know you can give a little bit of exposure towards like brands and stuff like that. But the the big thing for the YouTube for me is like I'd kind of said for a while I wanted to do something like that. Um, and the reason being is like when I look at where I'm racing now, for example, like. You know, it's it's really really interesting. I think to like see that journey to get through, and I remember like you know looking up to the brownies when I was young. Like there was nothing out there for me as like a twelve year old to like go on YouTube and watch and be like, you know, like how did these guys train when they were like I don't know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and like what was the journey looking like to become you know Olympic champions and you know the yeah you've got books and you've got little youtube snippets here and there but there's very little out there and i think it was more for that is it's like you know i've definitely found it harder to be consistent with it because obviously i've been away um a long time but the guy i work with jamie is fantastic and i'll definitely aim to do a lot when i'm back from this trip but it is that like it's trying to present a little bit of a journey but also like to help like younger people where like you know realize like a different route because you know, I've said it on to multiple people and multiple podcasts, like the route that I'm taking is not very generic of a British triathlete, not going to uni. Um, so again, it's, really? I think part of it is like showing the journey, like what is it actually like to transition from a junior? And part of it is like showing people that there is a slightly different way that you can make it without having to follow this generic route. So, so it is a little bit of, a little bit of both, but you know, whether you know, whether people watch it or not is like, you know, I actually really, really enjoy doing it. Like it's good fun. And I really enjoy like Jamie coming over and like, we have a bit of a laugh making the videos and stuff. And I basically just train. We don't have anything special. Um, you know, but like, it, it's just good fun as well for me. So, you know, if people can watch it and take value from it, then great. But you know, if not, like it's not, it's not a massive problem. Um, but yeah, it's just people say passive income. Yeah, well, you have to get some more subscribers first, so you can give me a shout out. Yeah, but yeah, but you eventually, know I mean, when like ties, that would be cool. But yeah, again, like I said, it's the money. You know, if it comes, then great. But there's a very likelihood I would end up just, you know, paying Jamie to to do it all and and do more yeah. um, with that money. But with with more time, and you you get more, I guess, young people, as you said, watching it, then 
in mm. like five years time it might you know big up as super league becomes bigger and then you get bigger and all of that stuff so you know it'll yeah yeah exactly yeah. It'll be payback in the future if that makes sense so it might yeah, yeah. not be paid but it'll uh yeah be worth it yeah yeah i mean money always comes and goes to be honest i'm not too fussed about <laughs> yeah i'm not too fussed about making it with youtube it's i say it's just a it's, it's a it's a fun project for me to be honest i resonate that with with, with all of that all of what you said and kind of to to finish it off mm-hmm. we we've talked a little bit about 23 about being excited for the plans and the super league and the locations that are coming up but what what have you got coming up for 23 and what are you most excited about it uh <laughs> i mean there's there's one focus for 23 and that's qualifying to the olympics um you know getting a getting a third british men's spot is is hugely important for uh you know me but also the federation um it's it's something that we still haven't got and yeah like it's a it's a big opportunity so you know that i would say is that's gonna basically revolve around most of my year next year is like is racing at the highest level trying to accumulate points basically to getting high enough on the ranking and, and qualifying for the olympics um obviously that will trickle over into 2024 uh you know, before you get selected. So, you know, that's going to be a, a season and a half worth of, you know, of uh, accumulation of points and chasing that. But uh, yeah, next year will be really critical to that because obviously you've got a whole season. Um, but yeah, I think along with that, like, yeah, it's it's going to be probably my first year away, uh, my first year where I'm probably going to be away, like, like on the road, probably most of the year as well. Um, I mean, the trip that I'm on at the minute is like three and a half months. So three and a half months since I've gone home when I eventually mm-hmm. go home. Um, but I think next year, you know, I'm going to really, really dedicate myself to towards that goal uh, of, to be honest, it's more a process because it takes multiple races. It's not just one race. Um, so more dedicating myself towards that process of like qualification. Um, you know, like, I really, really want to give it a good go. And with that, you know, like I say, I'm going to be away probably most of the year on the road, traveling, training, um, which is going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. And like I say, I mean, you know, we've still got stuff like Super League at the end of the year. You've still got championships within the year. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a big year. But I think that, that main thing is like that process of qualification. Um if I was going to say one event that I'm particularly kind of, I would say excited for, it's definitely not the biggest event of the year, but it's it's big for me. Is like the the World Series is going to end up going to Sunderland in uh, in the northeast. So not not, uh, not the not the nicest of locations, but you know, obviously it's, it's moved away from <laughs> Leeds. You, but, uh, yeah, it's been it's been in Leeds for what four four years or so now, but they couldn't hold it this year. So it's going to be in Sunderland for one year. What I'm kind of most excited about is to have a World Series in my own region. And and that is, you know, I mean, it's all the best guys in the world who I normally will get the opportunity to race next year and, and a little bit this year that I have. And, you know, they're going to come to my region, uh, albeit not the not the nicest part, but, you know, they're, they're going to come to the Northeast. And I think 
as soon as I heard about that, I actually heard about it in January this year, well before a lot of people knew, but that's going to just be really, really special to have a home World Series, again, similar to the Commonwealth Games. I think it could be likely the only World Series I ever have in my region. So, you know, like I say, there's test event next year, the Olympic test event, there's, you know, the grand final in Pontevedra, but I would say that's definitely one of the bigger target races of the year where I'm like really looking forward to it just because you know when when are you going to get that opportunity to have such a big race in in your own region you know it, it doesn't come around very often so I'm definitely looking forward to that but yeah it's just similar to yourself it's it's a huge process game at the minute um it's hard to say how much learning there is but also like physiological development you know continuously and yeah like it's it's just like a it's just like a constant progression at the minute and I think like process wise it's really really important just to um yeah to keep backing yourself with that uh and yeah like <laughs> it's just there's a lot going on next year but they're probably the two main things really yeah oh that's so special man to to have that home region as you say that that'll be special as and yeah well I wish you the best for the process yeah, hopefully my bike doesn't get stolen from little chavs there, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, you're meant to be selling your region. Come on, Dad. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, if it was, if it was my choice, I'd have it in Northumberland rather than Sunderland. But, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Yeah, I'm sure it will, mate. That's, that's awesome to hear. And uh, I love that the whole conversation here because it, it resonates. I, I resonated so much with that and it was mm. incredible to hear that story and that journey since obviously I've not had a lot of contact with you since, since those GHS days, but mm. oh, it's so cool to hear, man. And yeah. as I said earlier, inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's nice to catch up again, to be honest. Like, like you say, it's been a while since we raced and uh, I don't know. I was going to say, I didn't know if you, if people listening knew kind of our background, but um, yeah, it's good to, to kind of catch up because we, yeah, it's got a, I don't know how many times it, years ago it was since we raced it was probably i was probably 14 i think when we raced or 13 yeah. or something it's definitely a while 13, ago 14 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh so, for, well. for, all, for all the listeners he beat me by 10 or 15 seconds every year um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah whether or not i need like a time trial bike back again i just sold my time trial bike the other week so yeah no. my brother's now riding the uh the bike that beat you all those years so <laughs> i yeah he's gonna get a lot of success on that then um yeah we'll see yeah mate i love that thank you very much for coming on and uh no yeah wish you all the best